0: I'm sorry to interrupt, Volka. I'm, I'm, I'm just prepping you that I'm going to do a kickoff at 8 o'clock. Uh, Harold wants to
1: make a speech.
0: Look, I, these are the few opportunities I get to have anybody listen to me or at least act like they do. Do I have to listen to you? No. No, Mark, you don't. Hey, gang, it's Harold. On August 7th, the San Diego Historical Games Convention held another mini con. This one was kind of experimental. It's the San Diego Historical Games Coin Fest. So it's a day of games focused on coin. And it was great fun. We had um, a lot of people there, a lot of training the night before, and then a uh, large number of tables played with designers in attendance, so I'm sure I'll miss somebody, but Vez was there, Bruce Mansfield, of course, Volko, Mark Herman, Gene Billingsley was there for the kickoff, um, and myself, and uh, we played our coin games with uh, people that signed up and, and just had a great time. I, I'm not sure if we'll do it again in the future, but it's, uh, it's something that uh, that we wanted to experiment with. We actually did a survey of participants of the May San Diego Historical Games Convention. And note that there were over 370 people at that convention. But when we sent out the surveys, we said, um, you know, should we have a one-day specific game convention for these particular game groups? And, of course, course COIN was the number one selected uh, game group. But interestingly enough, the second most popular game group voted on was large multiplayer games, five or six player games. So that's kind of cool. Um, at any rate, we have um, the kickoff to the Coin Fest recorded here, and you're going to hear primarily Gene Billingsley, the president and founder of GMT Games, and Volko Runka, who is the Coin Father himself, talk about. Uh, the history and the heritage of the coin series, uh, and um, and and what it was like in the early days and what it's turned into. Bobby, any words of wisdom before I kick this off? Do you want to say? Do you have something funny to say to us? Something amusing? You're muted. Yeah, that was funny. I appreciate that. that was See, cool. starting off right,
2: you know, get a little humor in there. Uh, no, no funniness. I'm, I'm, I'm eager for Coin Day today. I mean, you know, I'm seeing a lot of uh, coin savants and aficionados here, so I think it's going to be an awesome day. It's a big experiment. Uh, it's a, basically a player's convention, a little bit different uh, from last time. That's why it's a bit smaller. So um, I like this coziness. I think it's going to be a great day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this. Um, this event is an experiment for us. Um, coming out of the May San Diego Hiscon convention, we had 370 some people at that convention. And, uh, Gene, thanks. You thank you for your, for your support and participation, of course, but, um, it was a great, a great event. And so once we were a week or two out of that, we said, what can we do between now and the November SD Hiscon? And, um, we had sent out a survey to participants and the survey responses came back that, um, that, you know, if we, if we did a game gamers convention, so playing as opposed to, you know, watching these excellent seminars and events that we have in the regular convention, uh, the, the the number one topic that people wanted to see was, uh, was a coin oriented convention. So. Hey Harold,
3: uh, we're at, we're at 25. So, uh, There might be people trying to get in. If everyone shuts off their video, we could get a few more people in.
0: Yeah, okay, so video's off, if you don't mind. Sorry, Gene. There we go. All right, thanks. Um, Thanks, Scott. So um, first in the voting was, of course, COIN. So that's uh, that's where we are today. But it's kind of funny, uh, you know, the second game – or the second game group that was uh, that popped up in the voting was uh, large multiplayer, like five or six player games. So maybe that's a that's a uh, mini con in the future. Um, but I'll uh, I'll get started with the kickoff. I you know welcome everybody to the uh, SD Hiscon Coinfest. This is um, an event that started last night. Actually, we had some training sessions both in Vassal and in um, discord and uh with with uh, the technical staff and crew and and so you'll be surrounded by sd hiscon staff if you need any help uh go to tech support all sorts of little problems pop up when we do this and and there would be plenty of help there if you need it but uh, uh you know that crew runs last night ran more than 40 players through Discord training and Vassal training uh, for coin, and and that's a big part of what we do with the SD Hiscom. We want we want this all to be more accessible and fun, and um, and uh, and get as many people into play uh, on these electronic means. And then, of course, once we get back to face to face, under those measures as possible, uh, to increase the accessibility, of the hobby, and the fun level for all of us. Um, and it's always been a tenet that the more people play the more people play the more options i have so when when uh, pat wells and i started the sd hiscon in san diego the idea was let's just get more people introduced so that i have more options when i want to play combat commander and i now have six people to call and not just one Uh, and uh, it's been a wonderful success from in in that regard Um, today i think we're you know i already see 17 games engaged 17 coin games engaged uh today if if everybody shows up and I, I know that won't be the case i've already received a few emails of people that have uh unexpected stuff pop up but um it's uh it's awesome 17 games uh and then you know not to mention the fact that we have uh the coin father himself Volko Runka here and uh also Gene Billingsley uh the president uh and founder of GMT games uh so I'm gonna talk for a little bit, but then i'll I'll stop and let those guys talk uh reminder that if you'll mute while you're not talking, it would be uh helpful for everybody else's sound quality um, this uh this con is an experiment, so um you know i'm I'm not sure what we'll do in the future but uh, but you know right now we're just trying to create a con that um that allows us to uh to play more than we do in our normal conventions. Um and so I you know I think just getting people together and introducing the games with the really cool benefit of um of having um people uh, join with people like Volko and Gene and and uh Mark Herman and Vez and other people teaching their games. So it's been a great uh it's been great working on it and I'm pretty excited about the potential of it. Um let's see I'm going to go ahead and um and turn it over to uh Gene Billingsley and and Volko and and you know this these coffees are always informal but you know I think everybody would love to hear some of the perspectives on the coin games from uh, Gene and Volko. Um, and of course, you know, Volco's the coin father starting with Andy and Abyss, uh, and then having touched so many, uh, coin games and, and certainly been a big part of the development of, of the coin game that, uh, that I worked on Liberty or Death. And then Gene, who's, uh, um, who's been the, you know, the thoughtful leader about what works and what doesn't, and, um, is such a great marketer and, and, and is so important to all of us. I think, um, uh, somebody once said, well, uh, you know, of course, Gene, uh, is important to us. He's the candy man. So, uh, without further ado, Gene, um, I'm going to introduce, uh, you and, and, uh, and I'll let you and Volko talk a little bit before I start any inquisition, but, um, How are you this morning, Gene?
1: I'm good, Harold. Thanks for saying that. I I don't think I've ever heard the Candyman reference before, but I I can hear some of our guys saying that. (laughs) Um, I kind of have maybe questions for Voco, Um, not piercing deep questions. But, you know, when we first did this, uh, Voco wanted to do uh, maybe several other games. One of them was Angola. I'd still love to see that game. Uh, one of them was Iraq. I can't I can't remember the fourth one. What was it?
3: Um, the fourth one was going to be uh, Marcos, Philippines.
1: That's right, Marcos, Philippines. So yeah. we kind of ended up getting a version of that with Ken T's People Power, although not uh, – I guess my point is we didn't actually do any of those that we planned at the time. That's right. And and the reason was because uh, – at least my perception of the reason was because we kept having these other designers who had – ideas about this area that they really love that they wanted to work with. And you were gracious enough to say, yeah, we can do that. And just put your stuff behind. I would love to just hear a little bit, starting with Cuba Libre and then going down to a distant plane and farm like kind of how that happened, how those people came to you and, and how those conversations evolved.
3: Yeah. Jeff Grossman was uh, involved in, in Labyrinth. He was a, he was a tester and um, he just got in touch with me around the time that Andy abyss was i think it was it was in art but it maybe wasn't wasn't out yet and said you know i i know i'm interested in the cuban revolution i know something about that history and you know your system here would fit um cuba very well and you should do a cuba game um uh, maybe for for c3i and and i said well if you think that's true you do it and uh and or we'll do it together, and so um, and that was the opportunity. That's exactly how it went. I was like, okay, well, I'll, I had already bought I think three hundred bucks worth of Angola books, but I thought, well, here's a you know here's an opportunity to to work okay. with it. Yeah. And uh, and and I think the idea was it would be a kind of a, a low hanging fruit, like a quick development process, because we wouldn't have to change too much for that. Um, setting and maybe we could do it you know like with just a a paper map and paper counters and it would be printed in c3i and so that's that's what we proposed to you gene and i think you said no let's make it a full box volume that sounds right yeah and that and that was Kuba libre and so we did and um and because it's of course you know we're dividing up the work and 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 Jeff Grossman came to the idea with uh, some, of my you know his you know or he fairly I mean he knew what the factions were the victory conditions the 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 actions you know the ops and specials for all of them the map you know it was really very low um intensity design effort for me and that meant I actually had some spare capacity and and that's and I I, you know, had been friends with Brian Train for some time and got to know him at professional war game conferences. And, and of course, I knew his work because the Coin Series was, uh, in a way, you know, based on, on, in part, what I had learned about the dynamics of insurgency and counterinsurgency from playing his Brian's Algeria game. And I'd always thought with Brian, I knew he had a closet full of unpublished games and he had some micro games, uh, you know, like the paper pieces and little tin. And I thought, you know, Brian, you deserve to have, you know, a deluxe GMT production treatment to one of your games. If you will do a coin game with me, Brian, you can pick the topic. And and he agreed. And he said, well, to him, the mother of of counterinsurgencies was modern Afghanistan. So that's what he wanted to do. And that's what we did.
1: Yeah, and it turned out to be one of my favorite of all the coin games. Hey, I have a question about Cuba Libre, um, as you guys developed it. it what Cuba Libre, I, I think we all know, has has come to be uh, the gateway game or a gateway game to coin for so many people. And my take is that a lot of that, it, it's not just the size and, and fewer units, but it's that there are no LOCs in that game. Yeah, It, it really cuts the barrier to entry because there's a lot of learning and strategy that evolves around those LLCs for good players. Yeah. Um, I wonder if at the time, did did you and Jeff see that not only was that maybe, you know, a little easier uh, development job, but did you see it as something that would really make the series uh, more newbie friendly?
3: I think it's a better question for Jeff in terms of what the thought was at the time, because that's his, his innovation is to have the economic centers instead of the lines of communication. And I think his, his view was just in terms of what was important. I suspect it was the, you know, the dynamics of the um, conflict driving that. But, but I do think conscious was, this is going to be a smaller package. Cause again, the original, his original idea was a magazine game. And with for that. Right. And so, and you know, it's on a, Smaller island. It makes sense that it would be smaller, and uh, and there wasn't anything that that added any rules burden. And I think maybe his. I don't. I have to. Sp- I can only speculate about him that he might have thought that the LOCs were tricky in and Andean abyss, and and that was a part of his thinking of going to economic centers. Or it's just really the economic centers. There he needs a way to depict that because they were important in the revolution. Yeah. And 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 so, and rather than adding rules burden, he substituted one for the other. But I don't really, know, I don't really know, you know, what because that's his, that's his thinking.
1: Right. Okay. Well, I, I didn't mean to take you away. You you were on distant plane um, with Brian. I, I really want to at least get to five because somehow we screwed God. up <laughs> at, at the fifth volume. I want to know how the how on earth that happened. Wait
3: a yeah. minute. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth volume, how did that happen? Um. So, uh, yeah. So, in a distant plane, then, um, which uh, that's you know Brian's Brian's title from from a poem, but that one was a um a case where I did maybe a little more of the engineering um than the division with 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 Jeff, um since Brian was was new was you know didn't know Andy and Abyss the way that Jeff knew Andy and Abyss, and and Brian provided all the substantive or almost all the substantive background, I obviously knew something about the conflict, but but it was Brian who had made a study of it. And, and I think that was a a model. And and I'd be interested to see to what degree Mark thinks it's this but kind of a model that that I followed in um, fire in the lake with Mark Herman. And you know, something about how that came about that that the idea was could could Mark and I collaborate on a game about Vietnam, because Mark had wanted to do another Vietnam game for a while. And we had had, we met at his house in Potomac and talked through his vision. And we were talking about different ideas for a block game and so forth. And I finally realized that, that his vision of, um, the internal, external and intra Vietnamese cultural aspects of the war in Vietnam during the U S period really matched the factional model of the coin series very well and so and so that was a proposal that i had for him that he he accepted and and in designing that again because as a as i know mark herman has not only reread more books than i i will ever <laughs> touch on vietnam I've forgotten more about that history than i will ever learn um so it was appropriate again that i do the kind of the undercarriage engineering and he did the substantive um the substantive part of the game so i think we came to pretty quick agreement about what the factions would be and what they were trying to do and we ended up in as i was in conversation with mark borrowing in terms of the factional structure um and especially the u.s victory conditions and the like. A lot from a distant plane because I would say, well, this is how we do it in distant plane. Does that fit Vietnam? And he said, yeah, it did. Which in itself, for me, was kind of a lesson in terms of the situation that the coalition was in in Afghanistan, knowing at that time what happened at the end of the U.S. period in Vietnam and and what we're looking at today in in, in 2021 in terms of departure from Afghanistan. Anyway, um, so for example, Mark. Could come up with lots and lots of ideas for event cards and what they should do, and then I would do. I would write the specifics of the cards to coinify them in a way. Um, and uh, I think we did. had went through a similar model. I think successfully for Fall of Saigon as well. So, Mark, you can, you know, tell me if you remember it differently. That's the way I remember the the, the work on Fire in the Lake.
4: No, well, that sounds uh
0: sounds quite accurate. And uh, I remember. Um... At the end of the project, uh, we, I, I had said something to Gene where I said, "If I it would be great if I had another like twenty or thirty cards. I can't remember what the exact number was." And I happened to be on a treadmill in a gym when he called me and said, "You can have the cards." And I think by the time I go up the treadmill, I had already done fifteen of the cards on my iPhone. So yeah, it was uh, it was a it was a good process uh, overall. Yeah, I
1: filed that under it pays to work with professionals. So, Volko, how on earth did we let Harold Buchanan in the coin door? That's what I want to know.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I got uh, contact from, from Harold, and he, I, I didn't know him. He introduced himself, and he said he'd been playing around with his friends. Um, a, a, a coin series set in the American Revolution, which was a topic dear to him, and I thought that makes total sense to me and tell me more and off we went nice yeah and, but, and, and, and you, you know the first thing with that that what was first for me about that was it was the first one where i was not you know deeply involved it wasn't a, a co-design i mean i had conversations with him um I, I knew how the game worked and i was watching its progress in development but it but it was a extremely low you know low uh um, part, a low f- fraction of my bandwidth since Harold was doing all the design work and I was merely, merely consulting.
1: Yeah. You know, I have a perspective on that. I, I tease Harold all the time just cause it's fun. Um, but I think that Harold received a level of trust from both you and me that we had not heretofore, uh, exhibited with the coin series cause, cause you were always involved. So in, in terms of, you know, we like to work with finishers, and you never know the new guy if they're a finisher or not. Um, we like to work with people that are good with customers, and you don't know in the beginning. Well, after I met Harold in Tempe, you know, we had a, I don't know, I don't remember, Harold was an hour conversation or something, and he showed me the game. Um, I'm I'm often more interested in the designer than the game, and Harold just really impressed me, and I thought, well, if we're going to do one where Voco isn't very involved, then this may be the guy to do it with and it turned out that that he really uh carried the ball across the finish line and and he uh he showed that our trust was well placed. You have a take on that
3: You know you know my take i I, I think back to so as a model, right I think back to Mark's posture towards card driven games. And immediately having other designers take that somewhere new and it spread across multiple publishers. And as I was saying um earlier this morning with this game I'm currently enamored with Verdun, 1916, Steel Inferno by Walter Vadovsky, you know, three decades down the road, the CDG format that was mark's invention is still spurring incredible new innovations and step forward steps forward in the um, in historical board game and and so that's that model makes total sense to me that we tr- we don't gra- grip something that we associate with ourselves that we don't grip it in such a way that it stifles innovation on the part of others and i guess it is trust in a way but I, I don't really understand the predilection. Maybe it's because I don't not involved in the commercial aspects of it the way you are, Gene. But I don't really understand clinging that way as a as a designer, at least because because of what you said about finishers. There, there's really very little risk if somebody starts something and they can't. I mean, it, it's it's you know it's so much of it is perseverance, right? And the all of the details you have to worry about that are very tedious to get the last 10% of quality you need to get the thing out and and functioning and so if somebody starts something and they don't do that okay fine it's not like there's something you can steal from me as a designer because you're going to have to do all of that work otherwise the thing isn't isn't going to operate and it's not going to find an audience and so you know, why not um, throw, you know, plant all the seeds all across the country and see what sprouts? I mean, I don't know what the downside is to trusting people in that way.
1: Yeah, I think for, definitely from your perspective, but also broader GMT's perspective, that, that has kind of become the way that we work. Um, we, we don't tend to work with people who hold things very tightly, um, we like collaboration. Um, and, and I guess when I talk about trust, the, the biggest place where somebody could hurt us by breaching our trust is internally with our teams, with all all the people that you work with. You know, over the years, I've had people call me and say, hey, Gene, I, I can't work on this project anymore because so-and-so is a you-know-what, you know. And, well, we don't want people who are legends in their own minds and people that don't play well with others. So you know, from the trust point of view, there, there's... I guess trust your gut that a one-hour conversation and and VOCO's okay is enough, you know, that Harold's not going to blow up our teams. And he didn't. You know, it I don't mean to belabor this, but it's in my experience, some it, it's often true that somebody who is really, really smart and really, really good at what they do isn't always the best at playing with others. And so what we try to get is a cross- section of both of those things, and it turned out that Harold is brilliant and Harold is good with people, and Harold doesn't demand his own way all the time so so those were win 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 for us it's it's just you know we have no way of knowing that going in
3: yeah, and it reminds me of so um i'm I'm retired, I used to be an intelligence analyst um uh, and we you know evaluated. Analysts and senior analysts for promotion, all that. I was a manager, so I got involved in that. And one of the principles that we looked for in a characteristic that we looked at for, for in senior analysts, in people that we would promote to the highest ranks, not as managers but as substantive experts, because um, those are those are special people. And one of the things we wanted of a senior analyst is we wanted that person to be the kind of to have the kind of expertise that draws in other expertise uh you know because the to understand the world we all kind of get deep on one little aspect but not everybody nobody knows everything and you get the best results when you synthesize knowledge when you collaborate right substantively collaborating and we were very big on that in uh in the intelligence community and 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 you can see that in in people they they know their stuff but the way that they go about deploying that knowledge draws in other people who also know their stuff that's that's related and you get a very powerful um, um, synthesis of expertise right because of how how people handle themselves and you're right not all experts are that way but the experts who are that way are the ones who can really produce great things and the ones who don't you know they're 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 reaching their audience despite themselves so they it's almost like a they tie up you know, ball and chain around one ankle and say, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to show you that I'm an expert, but I'm not going to allow anybody else to help me along. And, and, and those, and I don't, I don't, you know, you know, I don't want to have any teams blown up, but, but those people tend to torpedo themselves.
1: Yeah. There's just always collateral damage, but yeah, yeah, Yeah. I I get what you're saying. I love the, the, the antidote about, you know, the intelligence agency i think that makes such such good sense i i had to learn on my own you know kind of a gene teach himself sort of lesson that when you get these kind of people that draw others in and other knowledge in then that multiplies itself if you will provide venues and methods and tools that optimize that collaboration and so what you tend to want to do when you run a company is to say, "Here's our way of optimizing that," and I resisted that instead saying let me let's let these smart people find their own way and so we end up with things like a discord servers where not only coin you know is open to all kinds of new designers, but uh, some of the other series that we use, including your other one uh, with levy and campaign, we've got people that we're just inviting in to see what happens. I would not have come up with that on my own, but allowing, not having a rigid structure and and allowing those smart people to just do it their own way. I think it's ended up helping us and opening up these areas to even more and more uh, aspiring designers.
3: Yeah. I'm seeing the same thing and it's very exciting. And it really is a different, it's a different mode because what I was you know, what I was used to, and I think was the main mode, um, and this goes back to before there was social media, is you kind of cooked something up in your own, you know, basement or something, and it wasn't ready for prime time, and, and you sure wouldn't show it to a company, and you wouldn't show it to the public, and you'd want to have, you know, your, your ducks in a row before you did your presentation, and then you, you know... I guess commercially you want to have a big announcement that here's this unveiling of this thing that you didn't know about and boom it's a surprise. And it and it that has some, some there's some reasons to do it that way. Um uh especially when you're you know you're starting out and you're not not confident um or don't have don't have an audience already and you you're worried about the first impression. But of course it makes that kind of collaboration and just you know um you know, see what springs up with when people who you don't know walk in the door, um, it prevents that, you know, magic stone in the soup or, you know, hey, um, if you got a carrot, if you got an onion and we end up with a, a fine stew, right? Uh, and now with with what's happening, for example, on Discord, the mode is, it's so different for me. It's like, it's basically public, designing in public. I mean, it's all out there and we're all, um teaching each other and we're inspiring each other i think and we're you know just bouncing it's just like instant feedback and and um cross-pollination and borrowing of of lessons or, or ideas from one project to another and i think there's just you know there's there's just no stopping that in terms of the 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 alacrity the energy with which we generate new um advances in in design it's just it's just amazingly and i found now i'm i'm a big you know twitter user i'm finding i'm spending more time on on discord in that environment than i am on twitter which for me is a lot
1: <laughs> probably a lot more productive time is my guess a lot
3: more productive absolutely absolutely yeah, it's,
1: it's incredibly exciting um to, to see this collaboration and the synergy that's going on there and, you know, obviously Jason is involved in that, our director of development, Jason Carr, and he's looking for ways to move that, you know, to other series and, and to make that a an across GMT kind of thing. Um, I want to pop back to Harold if he's still here for a second, because, Harold, you said you had some questions. So I don't want to dominate this. It's all you if you want to go.
0: Well, I think, I think we're here for you and uh... – for you and Volco and, and other designers to talk about coin. So I hate to, um, I hate to, hate to, and especially you guys said so many nice things about me. I'd rather you continue that than me talk. But uh, I, you know, I, I ask myself frequently, um, why is coin? And I think it's, the answer may be, Volko, but 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 I. Why does Coin spawn so much um, sort of you know non-team development and innovation and and so many people that are not you know that weren't necessarily part of the original Coin crew are just motivated to create games and and you know is it the quality of the model is it the times we live in and and the conflicts that haven't been modeled? Is it um is it is it Volco which I suspect to be the case? Um I, I don't do you two have a thought on why there's so much coin activity and, and thank God for all that coin activity, right? But but why is there so much coin development off of this Andy and Abyss game?
3: So I I have a yeah, I do have a, I mean, I have a, a theory. I think that the, the authoritative answers to that come from the people who are doing that, and there are a lot of them here, so they should, right. they should speak. Um, but I'll give you kind of my my conceptual theory, which, you know, self-centeredly goes back to some original ideas in Andean Abyss. Um, part, part of the agenda of, of Andean Abyss was to fill a gap in the coverage of bo- historical board games of, of conflict, in the knowledge that there were many, many more internal conflicts like insurgencies um than than big conventional wars but the the medium is focused on big conventional wars in terms of, of what's what's published. And so part one is there are just stories everywhere to be told um that are are untouched, are virgin snow to, to ski in. And so if if we have a successful format to examine those kinds of conflicts that you know intertwine the disciplines political military economic and are focused on on interfactional conflict well you know we're all gonna we're gonna think of ideas every day of what we could what we what stories we could tell so that's one part um and then more generally Indian abyss. You know, the the structure of the the victory conditions and the asymmetrical actions is based on a kind of a view of society that everything is interfactional. That to understand any mass human endeavor, um, you know, World War II, an economic system, a corporation, anything, what you're really trying to understand is how different human beings are forming groups within groups that have overlapping, but not identical interests. And that's true of, you know, you could, you could say that about this con, for example, and all of us. And so that fundamental way of looking at life, I think, gives you greater insight to really understand what was going on on the east front in World War II. you really need to understand what's going on within the Wehrmacht, and what's going on within the Soviet high command, not just what's going on between the two, right. And so if you take that view of trying to understand more deeply a mass human endeavor like conflict, then here again is a, is a, is a, a nice vessel in terms of the coin series approach to, to examine it and, and, and see that deeper. And isn't, so that to me is a universal human truth and therefore can be applied to just about any human conflict. Mm.
1: I like that vocal. Um, Harold, I'll answer your question from a, a different point of view because I, I agree, um, Voco has kind of looked at it from a systemic point of view, which um, is terrific. I look at it from the personnel point of view because mostly that's my job uh, at GMT is getting people uh, optimized in how they work together. And so, you know, not all of our designers or all of our design teams work this collaboratively. And not all of them are on Discord with this exciting, um, very fast-paced uh, interpersonal learning and intergroup learning going on that Volk is talking about. And I ask myself why that is. You know, and what I tend to see, that you know, this is a generalization, but what I tend to see, um, with the exception of guys like Mark Herman, who, who was very collaborative at um, Victory Games, you know, with with the great team that was together there. And, and then his whole life in his professional uh, world was collaborative and built teams. A lot of the designers who were more old school, they learned that they couldn't rely on publishers. And these guys would publish at four or five different places until somebody treated them badly and then they would go somewhere else. They couldn't rely on play testers because they were here today, gone tomorrow. They couldn't really de- rely on developers except maybe you know a guy here and there and so what they learned is that they could rely on themselves and so they went into their design room and they made their their model and their game and most of them are really really smart so they were good and then they found a publisher and maybe they could find some play testers along the way and, and that is their view of how this all works so i think those guys are not um really well prepared for what's going on right now. Now, some of them are adopting, which is great. They're going, hey, this is better. This whole team-based design in public, uh, it, it works better. Some of them have asked me, well, Gene, how do we keep people from stealing our stuff? Which I think Vocal addressed a little bit earlier. And, and I think from my point of view, we've gotten to the place where we just say, well, okay, that's the, that's the downside. That's the worst. If that's the worst, thing that can happen. Look around at our team. At the designers, developers, artists, post-publication support people that we built together, if the worst thing was somebody stole one of our designs, one of our ideas, we can do it better. And we can still go on and, and keep doing this. And what we found out is that person isn't a person that's a good fit for our teams. So I, I think... Harold, your first answer is the closest to right. And and Volko's right. We don't always have the best perspective, but I think it's 90% Volko. He has created this environment, and he is the type of person that draws other smart people in a collaborative intellectual endeavor. And if it wasn't for him, it probably wouldn't have worked out this way. Now, what's happened is every time he draws somebody else to him and to these groups, we multiply our possibilities because there are other people like him. And so we, we, what we want to do is just build teams where everybody's like that. We're all diverse, but we're all committed to this collaborative endeavor because we're going to get better faster. We're going to get smarter faster. Our games are going to get better. Most of you have heard me say to designers at one point or another, don't worry, this is the worst game we're ever going to do together, which sounds kind of dumb, but it's true. If you're in a collaborative env- environment and we learn from every game we do together, then the one we're working on right now is the worst one we're ever going to do. And that's exciting uh, for the future in, in terms of what we can do, what our potential is to work together. So that's a little of my perspective, Harold, back to you.
0: Yeah, that's, I, uh, I agree. A lot of that, a lot of it is, a lot of it is Volco, but, um, you know, the, the, the environment is also important and, uh, and it's very impressive. I, you know, we're going to give everybody uh, a link uh, after the con to the coin server. We didn't want to confuse everybody, but the, but the, uh, the, the Discord coin server that Volko is talking about for fans and others. Um, so you can see what's going on there and if you have any interest in design or otherwise. I know a lot of you are already there. Um, you know, I see three other coin designers here, potentially more, but I see Bruce Mansfield uh, with Gandhi, of course um, Mark Herman is here, and then Vez, although Vez says he's cooking breakfast and won't be able to talk, I think that's a cop out so i'm gonna I'm gonna ask the three of you um a question. maybe we start with mark Mark, I understand you've designed games before um, can w- what is it about coin that you think uh strikes such a broad interest and 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 keeps replicating it across different uh different um themes of course I asked mark a question he's probably having breakfast with bez <laughs> so we'll have to we'll have to wait for mark's response but uh Bruce Mansfield are you there
4: yes I'm here good morning how you doing I'm good I'm pretty excited to get back to some gaming. So, so uh,
0: just a, a a brief Gandhi story. I get a call from Volko, and he says, um, "What are you doing tomorrow at five in the morning Pacific time?" And I I just say that because you know Volko gets up at three in the morning Eastern and expects the rest of us to join him. And and so he uh, he says, I've, "There's a game. There's a designer that has a game, and me and you and Mike Bertuccelli are going to play with him." And uh, I think Jordan Kerr was also involved. Yep. But he said, uh, it's a, it's a game about, uh, you know, the, the period around Gandhi, uh, in Gandhi's impact on, on India. And, um, it's finished. We've never heard of it. We've never seen it. <laughs> uh, nobody knew about it. And so not only is it finished, there's a vassal module and we're going to play it tomorrow, you know, before the sun comes up. So, um, I don't know if you remember that first play test, Bruce, but I do, uh, I do. What, 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 what
4: got you there? Uh, it was, um, I, it was actually pretty overwhelming. I remember that, that, that morning being, uh, in, in the same virtual room with such a uh, design luminaries, just being so excited to meet you all and finding that you're all extremely uh, intelligent and, uh, just such great designers, but also extremely welcoming and inclusive and friendly and so helpful. Uh. I had no idea what I was doing. I everything I, I knew about the game publishing industry I had to uh, piece together from just playing games. And so I, I somewhere read it in an interview with Volko where he said that he gets a lot of people pitching him ideas, but very few playable games. So I thought, okay, I better I better make sure the game looks good. So I, I learned some graphic design uh, elements, and then I figured out how Vassal works so that I could. Uh, show the game off, and so it, I think it—it it certainly looked more complete than it actually was when when you all first saw it that morning. And it took us a uh, quite a bit of time to get it uh, you know, to where I felt like it was publishable, and we could we could give it out to a bigger audience. But uh, it was such a such a roller coaster, Ryan, and I, I had such a blast with that and getting to meet you and Volko, and uh, getting to work with Jason Carr, who was kind of my design partner for well since I started that, and then after we. Did Gandhi working on the card-based spots for Fire in the Lake and now Fall of Saigon? So it's 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 uh it's just been a, a blast to to go from just a player to now a player designer and to have met all you all and then have now friends uh, I guess around the world now from uh, from from playing games. So that's been pretty exciting.
0: Volko, do you remember that? Uh, do you remember that first playtest of Gandhi? All right, so Volko's having breakfast with Mark and Bez. Great, Well, we can talk tell stories
4: about them. Yeah, um, so
3: so so sorry, but I'm sorry. already being distracted by some prep for starting the session in uh, in uh, 18 minutes, I guess. Um, and I just wanted to make sure um, you all saw there's a question on the morning coffee text chat from Jeff D, and I think it's largely a question for you, Harold um was there a discussion of non-modern treatments leveraging the coin system back in the early days liberty death set the stage for a broader spectrum of history in a great way did we have a discussion of that uh i don't know you know
0: i i think um i well you know first of all when i uh when when uh, i showed the game to gene i said i'm going to need some help from volco and you know, you and I spent, it seemed like an hour on the phone, which I would limit to an hour without exception, uh, on Sunday evenings. And, and so we we talked a great deal. But I think we also talked about the use of the word insurgency and 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 that there was a great deal of evidence for that. And, um, you know, I, I don't recall a That's great right. deal. We, um, we, uh, we said on the word insurrection. We we did. Uh, and and you know, I believe there's evidence that the British soldiers used the words they're, 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 I don't believe there's evidence, there's great evidence that they used insurgency, but um but 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 that argument aside, insurrection was a nice a nice way to uh to delineate the game. Um the um you know it was it was kind of funny, Volko, the timing of the game. I I found out after I started work, that you were working on Falling Sky, mm-hmm. so I think about the same time we we both shifted backwards in history, right?
3: Yeah, uh, that's, that's independently. That's right. That's that's true. Yeah. So, so, uh and now you know, for me, and that was that was a you know process here with my son Andrew, who you know knew knew the games, had been the you know frontline tester for me, and had read Caesar, and we somehow got in the conversation about we could make a game on this using the same, you know, interfactional mechanics, but to treat the um, the Gauls versus Caesar as a multifactional diplomatic military contest. And we were doing that. but We didn't think originally that we would call it coin at all, you know, for that same reason that, well, you know, nobody talks about counterinsurgency in the ancient context. Um. But there was, we knew there was a Roman-style counterinsurgency, right? It was a bit different. And, and uh, I think it was Gene who said, well, no, you're going to call, call it coin series because it's the same system.
1: Yeah, I remember that conversation, Foco, that, And that, that's where it really hit for me. I, I can't remember if this conversation happened before or after I talked to Harold about liberty or death in Tempe. But I remember driving back from Stanford all wrapped in ice after I'd had a procedure on my back and driving by myself and Voco called me and said, hey, we've got this game and I think it could be coin. And my son and I designed it together and it's on ancient Rome. And I was just like, it's on what? Because my mind was so around, you know, modern uh, coin. And, and you could even stretch liberty or, or death, you know, if you think about history of the United States. Um that, that that would work. But I had not thought in my wildest dreams about ancient Rome. And of course the marketer in me immediately thought, well, dang, if they can do ancient Rome, we can do, you know, <laughs> all kinds of other insurgencies over over time. So well, you, I, you
3: must have you must uh, have learned something between that and in San Diego when I first showed you uh, Nevsky, yeah. you know, and I was and I was calling it, you know, something like medieval operational series or something like that. I don't know what. And your first question, when I showed you Nevsky, your first question—I don't know if you remember this, Gene. Your first question was, "Could you use this to do Rommel in the desert?" I remember that. Yeah, I was like, um, "All right, I haven't thought about that. Let me think. Um, probably not." And then you said, "Well, what could what could it? You know, what span could it have?" Right? I think was the 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 sense then of of the conversation, and uh, and that led to a name change for the series and indeed we're doing everything now from from uh the the right after the fall of the roman empire up into black powder era at least uh or at least uh um design in work you know we'll see whether they bear fruit or not but same so i think you've 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 taken that sort of perspective on series at heart to heart
1: yeah I, I think it has definitely helped us you know the the thing is none of us just wakes up one morning and we're the best we can ever be at this business over 31 years. I hope I've gotten better over your years since wilderness war, you know, you, I'm sure you can look in the mirror and go, wow, I've learned a lot of things. And so every project isn't just an opportunity for us to get better at the nuts and bolts of things, but also how we market, how we perceive, how we can broaden our series to make them um, even better. Than maybe the designer first envisioned in terms of things they could reach. So I'm I'm always for that, and that's generally a question I will ask. You know, where else could this go?
0: Yeah, I'd like to announce Liberty and Levy: The American Insurrection uh, coming <laughs> soon to P five hundred.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you've heard Harold, but we're really not very inclusive. We don't want that one. Uh, I'm sorry, that was terrible.
0: No, we. I mean, we've actually Volko even brought up the fact that 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 the uh, the American, well, the Patriot troops were levied in so many different ways during the American Revolution.
1: Yeah, it would be fascinating to see that, wouldn't it, on a on a game table?
0: It would. Uh, I'm going to put it on the list of 300 other ideas <laughs> that I'm cycling through. Many of which, uh, of course, spawned by Volko's original ideas.
1: Well, I I think it's it's something that Voco could be immensely proud of, that we have a series that is 14 titles in, and we still have the kind of excitement uh, not only from consumers who are buying and playing the games, but from creators. I I think that's fairly unprecedented in the history of our hobby.
3: So I I'm I'm gonna head off and start to get ready for a falling sky but let me say in addition to thank you for all the interest and 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 the kind words for the coin series thanks to the the organizers admins tech support to this coin fest i i'm just uh, blown away by you know the um the the commitment for for nothing but <laughs> nothing but i guess the satisfaction of doing the thing to set up and, and run all of this, and here we all are. So, um, thank you so much, um, hosts of, of CoinFest. Well, Volko, thank you for taking the time to
0: hang with us, um, and uh, and geez, for, for all you do. Um, so keep up the good work and hopefully continues for many years to come. And Gene, thanks for setting up an environment that all this stuff works. Um, I'm, you're,
1: you're welcome and thank you for this event and so much else that you do with SD, HisCon. Um, you know, working with guys like you, that's that's a huge part of the enjoyment of GMT for me. It really is.
0: Yeah, well, I you know, I've published with two publishers so, so far, and I think I tell everybody this, but I will no longer publish with anyone else. Um, and I'm happy to share stories in private, but uh, GMT as a designer is the place to be so uh thank thank you for setting that up all right i'd like to release everybody if you if you want you can go to your games uh i don't have a game until later this afternoon so i'm going to hang out here a little bit answer questions talk chat do whatever gene you're welcome to to peruse or hang out here and and chat if anybody has any questions for us uh you're welcome to ask I was going to quickly toss in that for people heading out, the best way to do that is to find your um, the category for the game you're joining, and then
2: join the general voice chat. And from there, you'll be able to chat. With the designer we will figure out, uh, take a quick roll call, assign people to tables, and uh, sort of take care of all of the important stuff. So yeah, the g- general voice chat is the first channel you want to join.
0: Thanks, Edgar.
1: You have a tremendous staff here, Harold.
0: Oh, I got to tell you, Gene, it's, um, I I, I have nothing. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just uh, a guy with a bunch of friends that uh, all care deeply about this, this thing. It's really, it's become quite fun. You know, seven or eight years ago when we started the San Diego Historical Games Convention, it was Pat Wells and I. And, um, you know, we did all the work and, and, and we got, you know, a little bit bits of help here and there, but the administrative work before the con is tremendous. And Pat and I muscled through it and we loved it and, you know, no complaints, but, um, it's, it's amazing how over the last and, and probably more over the last couple of years, we've just pulled together a group of not only a group of people that care and, and want to do this stuff, but also a group of people that are super, uh, super good at a whole bunch of stuff, right? And and conscientious and deliver and finish, right? I mean, the, you were talking about finishers and, and, and it's so hard to find that in general. And, and we're just, I, you know, this, this SD Hiscon group is just blessed with a bunch of really smart, capable, uh, hungry Committed people, and and it's a it's a joy to work with them. Yeah,
1: Harold, um, you mentioned finishers. As you might know, know, uh, Mr. President, has been a challenge of mine, mostly because GMT has been so busy over the last couple of years that getting to any time to design has been really hard. But this summer, I've gotten a lot done. One day, I was really kind of down, and it was it was kind of hard. And uh I, I said to Rachel, like, man, I just I don't know if I'm ever gonna get this thing done. And she said, Well, Dad, you're a finisher, aren't you? <laughs> I was like, dang, I hate it when your kids quote your words back to you, you know.
0: That's so good.
1: But we are getting really close to being done now, so that's it's encouraging.
0: Well, at least you have this this uh wall of fame of the presidents behind you.
1: Well, you know, when I when I made this room, it's it's an upstairs room in our house, um, the president's room. The, behind me is Mr. President over there, and and I, I decided to put up all these presidential pictures um, from both parties or all parties over time. Uh, people that I respected, people that I thought did a good job, um, and that that would inspire me. And it really has over the years, but as it's been so hard to get this thing to finish line. I come in this room and I look at the pictures and I hear them saying, finish our damn game, you know? <laughs> and so I will add
3: that uh, I love the black walls. Cool. What's that? I love the black walls. That's an excellent choice. It's it's very classy, always works, yeah.
1: Yeah, well actually, that it's dark blue. You probably can't see it in here. Oh, okay. But, it was kind of, and there's there's red and some, so it's red, white, and blue theme, you
0: know, in, oh, in the room. That's great. I'm blue, black, colorblind, so it looks it looks black or blue, your choice. You can have Fez. whatever
1: you, want. you don't have to live here. So,
0: that's right, Fez. How are you? Good to see you, my friend. Hey, hey, Harold, how are you doing? Just doing... finished finished
2: dinner over here, and uh, found a couple of minutes to log in, you know, uh before my, my session with uh Or All, All Bridges Burning is starting soon. So Good. yeah, I have been listening to some of your talking. And it's really fascinating to just hear the backstory on, you know, Cuba Libre, how did that come out? You know, there was mentioned as uh, originally maybe a C three I magazine game, as was All Bridges Burning. That was my first thought. And I I I contacted Volko with the um you know prototype and he got back and and had already been in touch with you, Gene, and 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 uh, and said, "No way! This is this is not a C3I, This is going into a into a box." So that was really uh, funny to hear that the same thought had occurred to somebody else in the series before. Yeah. So really fascinating stuff.
0: Yeah, well, and the go ahead, Gene. Okay.
1: I just want to say, "All Bridges Burning" is a triumph. It's uh, it. It took us to a new period of history. Um, it did it with three players, which is unusual uh, for the coin series. Um, and I really appreciate your your dedication to hearing the history of this because, you know, I, I'm online a fair amount. And so I, I saw the people from different points of view who would would either pat you on the back or throw rocks at you. I know that's not an easy situation. And I think you navigated that really well and, and used a very uh, deft hand in terms of of how to how to put this game together, so it's impressive.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, i The international audience who play *Albrecht's Burning* may not always know how kind of emotionally loaded the theme of the Finnish civil war. I mean, you can imagine a civil war is always a tough topic for for a nation to you know think about. And so, but the you know the international audience may not have the sort of the sense the kind of emotional things that whirl in the background of of this this game from the Finnish you know particularly Finnish perspective. So there was there was certainly that discussion. You know, but I think there are probably about five or six uh, com-sim gamers that come from Finland in this world, so the discussion is going <laughs> to hold itself in, in certain bounds, but, uh, you know, that's that's all all good. And I, I really want to, um, you know, just take the opportunity on the last last minute here to sort of, you know, put the ball back to Volko, who I know is no longer here, but, you know, earlier you were talking about the coin series and how it has inspired, you know, so many designers. And I think one aspect that really stood out for me, and I think I really want to uh, you know, talk about a little bit, is is what I call the, the coin philosophy, which is this idea that, okay, here we are gaining oh, in, in history and in the real world experience in these military conflicts that we cannot win by military means alone. That is so, to, so for me, sort so of the, oh, what's the core and, and the kind of thing that appealed to me when I was doing All Burning. Because I, I realized when I thought, thought, uh, thought about the Finnish civil war is that you can never really win a civil war by military means. You have to win the so-called hearts and minds. And, that, and so for me, you know, all the discussion about insurgency, what is an insurgency and so on aside, for me, it really had to be the coin series where the, the civil war situation is handled because of this hearts and minds, the centrality of hearts and minds in the series. So I think that's that's really something that Coin uh, and Volco has also made really prominent for me in in, in gaming. So you know, just thanks Volco for for that sort of opening that way for us. You know,
1: I, I love that that insight that you know you can't win civil wars just by military means, and it made me think of our own civil war. You know, so long ago now, uh, almost 170, 160 years. And, and one side won, quote, militarily, and yet there were 100 years at least of negative impacts and effects due to that. Where, where you could say that in some ways, you know, one side didn't completely win, that there were societal effects, negative effects on our society throughout those years um, due to just the fact of having a civil war. And I'm going to stay away from politics as much as I can because it's awful divisive today. But when I hear somebody in the 21st century say, well, what we need is a a good civil war, my first thought is you do not understand history. You don't know what you're asking for. It's a horrible thing. And to be able to take us to that place like you did, to what is and was certainly a horrible thing, and let us experience it... um, in in a in a bit more of a detached sense, but still learn some of the lessons of history uh, I believe that those who don't learn the lessons of history are bound to repeat them, but I'd way rather learn them over a game table in that detached way than you know at the point of a gun sure sure,
2: and I mean you know one of the things that drove me to think about the Finnish Civil War is that I in a way experienced personally you know uh, 50 years later in my my youth and childhood uh, the the fruits if you can use that word even in the case of a civil war uh, you know i i expressed the division firsthand in the in the in the way for instance that you know i come from a small town 20 30 thousand people and still we had sports teams for the so to speak communists and then for the rest we had they had separate teams right you know we we were in the same schools the kids but we played in different teams just because of of politics you know and uh you know that kind of thing uh you know was still there in the 80s 90s i think now it's gradually being forgotten you know also because of the uh the cold war is over and all that but but you know those things they last a long time you know and uh, i mean i'm sure you you know you yourself mentioned it in the u.s context how how polarized it is and and those things are coming up again somehow, you know. But I have to apologize. I need to head out to the uh is burning room and and get my session going. So, thanks a lot for for organizing this. Thanks gmt Thanks Volco, uh for you know being there for for us gamers and designers. That's really uh, appreciable. So take care, guys. Thank you, guys.
0: So that's a wrap for the CoinFest introduction. You can find out more about the San Diego Historical Games Conventions and what we do, as well as the November Online Convention and our March Convention in parallel with Dice Tower West in Las Vegas by tuning in to www.adventure.com. SDhist.com or following us on social media, San Diego Historical Games Convention. Uh, look for us, join us, get in the conversation, and we hope to see you at a future convention.